Hi, everyone. Welcome to Light from the Rabbit Hole podcast. I'm Don Whitney. I started this podcast to share my own story and to share stories of light in the dark corners of trauma, chronic and mental illness, and addiction. It will also include brave stories within the LGBTQIA community. On today's episode titled Changing Lives with EMDR Therapy, I interview Allison Gullion, LPC founder, owner of Pacific Northwest Behavioral Health, who is a trained EMDR therapist. If you've never heard of EMDR and the benefits of this trauma treatment modality, you are in for a big treat today. This technique stands for eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing, and it is treated for many types of trauma, including the big T's and the little T's, anxiety, depression, PTSD, panic disorders, including performance anxiety. Allison also happens to be a longtime close friend of mine, and it was extra special to have her on the show because she knows our family and our journey so well and has been such a blessing to have her walk alongside us during our difficult times over the years. It warmed my heart to sit alongside of her during this taping and watch her brilliance in action as she shares this unbelievable tool that is saving lives and helping so many to release their trauma so they can move on and have a beautiful life. Allison shares two specific stories of her clients who she's helped with EMDR and gives life to this evidence-based tool that is truly changing lives. Let's dive in. Okay, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness, I am so excited for my guest today. And I just have to say that this is gonna be an amazing podcast. They've all been amazing, we all know that if you've been listening. However, this one is super, super special because not only do I have an amazing licensed professional counselor and a trained EMDR therapist that's going to be on the call on the uh, podcast today, but I have one of my very close friends who I finally got her to do this. It's been a while. We've been talking about it for a while. And I finally talked to Miss Allison Gullion into joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm super excited to be here. It did take a little bit of coaxing for sure, but we're going to rock this. <laughs> not be not because it's for a lack of you having anything to say, because that's not. Well, we can confirm issue. this. Yeah. <laughs> we'll let everybody else confirm that at the end of the show. But because you're busy, you have a busy life with two small boys and you're running a very successful behavioral health organization called, you're the owner of Pacific Northwest Behavioral Health in Portland, Oregon, which I will have the website information in the notes uh, for everybody to find Allison. Um, but, you know, you're you're busy. You've got a lot going on. Yeah. And the further we get into the world of uh, helping people, the more I want to do. And yep. I think one of the hardest things when you are in a profession and you are called to just help, one of the hardest things is knowing where to stop and take care of yourself. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, I'm going to talk a little bit about her background and then our friendship, which, uh, boy, how many years? 15? Close to. I think it's close to 15 because you've been married to, to JP how long? Well, we will be 10 years in August of 2021. Gosh, it seems so long, long ago. And I sang at your wedding with your friend, Jesse. Mm -hmm. 
You sure did. And stood on the guitar box on the beach. I did. Barefoot on the on the guitar, on the guitar case. That was so funny. And so um, for those of you that are listening, our husbands um, went to college together. And that's actually how we met, how Allison and I met. But we'll tell that story in a second because it's a funny story. So uh, Allison is, as I mentioned, a licensed professional counselor for about 15 years now, right? Yes, and a trained EMDR therapist. And I know what's exciting about this podcast for everyone is that there have been so many people who have sent me messages and said, when are you going to talk about EMDR? So before we go any further, EMDR stands for? Eye Movement Desensitization Reprocessing. Okay, perfect. Everybody got that? And you're a member of the EMDR International Association and the International Society for Neuroregulation and Research. My gosh, you have a lot going on. You also, I I didn't know that you owned, tell me about this nonprofit. Wow. Well, it is in the inception stages. My great friend, Lauren Garrett and I, uh, over a glass of wine last December, started talking about if there was one thing we could do to really make an impact uh, in the world, what we would do. And we decided it was adolescence and the suicide and mental health crisis of our adolescence. Mm-hmm. And uh, if that's what we would do, we would, you know, could we do something around that to make an impact? And uh, in the last six months, we have um, an official nonprofit called Resource for Youth. And oh we gosh. are on the path of securing funding to help bridge the gap between school counseling and the traditional fee-for-service model of care, uh, meeting the needs of kids with suicide and mental health issues that may not be speaking about it and may not have the uh, wherewithal to seek help or may feel shame about reaching out to their parents for help, the school counselors may not have the uh, time or capacity to recognize these kids that might be stuck in this gap. And what we want to mm. do is be able to intervene and meet the kids where they are in the school systems with a non-traditional, not fee-for-service, not insurance-dependent model, as if to hopefully then prove to our government, state and federal, that there is a better way to help kids. Wow. Um, Why are you such an overachiever? (laughs) Well, a long time ago, my mom said. I mean, can you add anything else onto your list? Okay, let's talk about this because this is funny. So we've known each other, like I mentioned, 15 years. Um, I'm going to tell a short story, which I think is really funny. And then we're going to segue into how we decided to partner together on this podcast. But uh, there were, I think you had just started dating John Paul and you uh, might've been your second date. And he said, Hey, I want to go see my friends that are at, we were at a bar watching the chiefs game. Yes. Yep. So our second date, this is largely, there are two reasons I probably married my husband, John Paul. One, the second date was brunch. That's huge. Right. (laughs) Totally. No whining and dining in the evening. Would you like to go to brunch? Yeah. How respectable, right? That was your and second at day. brunch, like he told me one of the funniest stories that still 10 years later cracks everybody up. 
It's about Wang and about waxing a back. And it is the oh. funniest story <laughs> you could ever imagine. We oh, won't boy. go there we today. Don't, we don't that need to talk saved. about that. Yeah, we'll yeah. save for another podcast. Yeah, another but during that lunch, he got a text message from your husband. Yeah. And he said, how'd the date go? And and John Paul texts him back. And, and your husband, Ryan, said, well, we're watching the Chiefs game. And mm-hmm. you guys happen to be watching the Chiefs game two blocks from where we are having brunch. Yeah. And John Paul looked up at me and he said, do you want to meet a couple of my friends? Yeah. And I said, sure. And there we go. And there we go. So you walked in and I'll never forget because you were so adorable. You had on like your, your little winter garb, right? Because it was probably November, right? When was it? It was cold. You're right. It was November. November And you had your cute little beanie on and I thought, oh my gosh, look how adorable she is. Because, you know, I had, I had met some of John Paul's previous dates not that they weren't adorable but not as adorable as you so you walked in I was like oh my gosh she's so cute and you immediately looked at my husband and you recognized him from from high school yes so we both grew up in the area and John Paul my husband and Don didn't they grew up in Southern California right and when I looked at your husband I said why do I want to call you bear Oh, yeah, because that was his nickname. Right? Right. In high school, his nickname was Bear. And his eyes got super big. And he looked at me and he goes, that was my name in high school. How do you know me? Oh, that's right. And then, yeah. And there it was. And then I immediately thought, I loved her for a second. And then was like, wait a second. Did these two date? (laughs) (laughs) So it took us a minute to to realize that, no, actually, they had never dated. Um, but we immediately became friends. It was an instant friendship and, um, and definitely has been for many years. And we've been through a lot together, you and I. So when I decided to do this podcast, and I think I had told you about it over the phone or maybe over text, um, I think that you probably didn't realize at the time, you probably did. I'm not going to speak for you because you maybe you have a different impression of this, but you probably didn't realize that it was going to be kind of like where I was going to be going with it. Right. Because honestly, I didn't really know where this thing was going to take off. I knew that at some point I had to have you on the show, but I wasn't sure where I would put you in. But then as we started talking, I was like, Oh, she's got to be here to talk about EMDR because that's your passion. It's what you're so good at. One of the things that you're great at, but um, I'll never forget. And I might, I might get emotional when I talk about this, but I'll never forget um, when you first started listening to my podcast oh yeah, and you called me and Ryan and I were on vacation and you called me and it had just been released. Like it had probably been released like three weeks or something. And you were listening and you left me, you left me, you were urgently trying to reach me. And I was like, Allison's trying to call me, but we were golfing. So I was like, I'll have to call her back. And then you tried calling Ryan. I think you got Ryan to answer, right? And what did you say to me? Do you remember? Oh, I was in tears. I was emphatically in tears. And I just said, oh my God, you are onto something. This is amazing. And spreading the word and talking about all of these subjects Mm -hmm. along with the life stories is so important. And I am so proud of what you're doing. And I am so grateful to you for being a non-clinical human in the world that wants to just share Mm -hmm. the news and share the education and and just help. And help. And just help. It was really emotional. And I think because our relationship 
has gone through many levels. And I think this was kind of, you know, I had an awakening and yes. I'm in a different place now, even than when we were first beginning our friendship. Yes. And you've changed. Yes. And so we've kind of come full circle and met back together, which has been really beautiful to see. So it was in that moment, just so the, the listeners can, can understand in that moment, um, it was, it was such an amazing, um, compliment to have from someone like Allison, who's, this is her life's work. And I am not an expert in this at all. I'm an expert in my story. Um, but it just gave further validation that we were, I'm doing the right thing and then I'm on the right track. And I just was, I kept saying like, please, please come on the show, you know? So anyway, I'm just so appreciative that you're here. I just, thank you. you. It was, it was kind of serendipitous. I will just say that you didn't answer your phone because it gave me also the opportunity to speak the same sentiment to your husband, I think, which is each equally valuable and equally important. Yeah. He needs to know how great I am that's for crying right. out loud. For God's sake. <laughs> the poor man's being told that every day, but that's all right. Okay. So let's get to the good stuff because people want to understand what is EMDR. And I think what we need to do to kind of talk about this and so that it gives its, its full context of what it's all about is we need to talk about kind of how it started, right? So it started, you were telling me in the late 80s, there was a woman that discovered EMDR. Yeah, so uh, anyone who is trained uh, professionally in mm -hmm. EMDR um, from trained experts knows the name Francine Shapiro. And in the 80s, Francine Shapiro is a psychologist that found herself uh, on a walk in the park. And she, as she was walking through the park, uh, was uh, recalling and having, so she was recalling a memory and having these physiological distressing thoughts, emotions, behaviors, and feelings. Mm. And she started moving her eyes back and forth rapidly. On her own? On her own as mm -hmm. she's walking in the park. Mm -hmm. And as she did that, she recognized that all of the physiological sensations and the kind of crazy running of the brain mm -hmm. slowed down and the physiological sensations decreased. Hmm. And she was fascinated. Did she, was she actually making her eyes do that though? Like you're saying when I ask on her, on her own, like she wasn't doing anything to make that happen. It was just happening. Or was she? She was making it happen. Yeah. She actually was started moving her eyes okay. back and forth and back and forth. Oh, wow. Yeah. And okay. so as a psychologist, she began to research that and began to develop the idea that maybe there is a way for our brains mm -hmm. to reprocess trauma. Hmm. So from there, she kept pursuing the idea and the concept. And at first, the work that she was doing was just known as the EMD of okay. EMDR. It was okay. eye movement desensitization. Okay. It was later added, well, if we can desensitize ourselves from our traumatic experiences or our negative thoughts or negative cognitions, then we can install or reprocess mm -hmm. and make positive ones. So then later the mm -hmm. reprocessing came into it. So today we as providers are trained to 
do the full eye movement desensitization reprocessing. Hmm. Now, what's important about the eye movement piece is what we have learned from Francine's work is we have learned that our brains do all of their filing in REM sleep. Mm. So when we go to bed at night, if you've mm-hmm. ever looked at your babies and ever watched your baby sleep, mm-hmm. or you've ever watched your partner sleep in bed, mm-hmm. when they're in REM sleep, their eyes are moving mm-hmm. back and forth. Yeah, All we are doing as trained providers is mimicking the eye movement because it's in those moments in REM sleep that our brain is actually doing the filing and they're going, oh, I brushed my teeth today. Don't need to remember that one. Holy cow, I got an A on this test. Yes, that one's going in the long-term memory bank. We're going to file that one right here. Got it. Okay. Interesting. So that is how EMDR came about. And the research that came to is taking into consideration we're using the basis Mm -hmm. of what happens to our brains in REM sleep. Now, it's funny because... I hadn't heard of EMDR. I'd been doing years of talk therapy, cognitive therapy, uh, started doing EFT about a year ago and um, even did, you know, some hypnotherapy years ago, which was a little scary for me, but I had never heard of this. And I think if I remember correctly, you were the one that said, had asked me, have you ever done EMDR? for your trauma, because it's specifically, I mean, it's for a lot of things, right? But isn't it specifically for trauma? So most of the research, most of the, it is known as an evidence-based treatment modality, and most insurance companies will reimburse because of that. So it is, uh, it is an evidence-based treatment modality because it's had the most amount of research in trauma. Okay. There are really cool ways the EMDR and neurofeedback as well, but there are really cool ways the EMDR is used for things today like performance enhancement, Mm. negative beliefs that chronically run through your system and your brain, uh, Mm -hmm. cravings, food cravings, and things like that. Oh, okay. So it originated in trauma. Okay, that's good to know. Because, um, so I... I started to do some EMDR. I was telling you about this earlier and I found a provider that, you know, I had been recommended to me and I went to her for, I think nine sessions and I started to get impatient around four sessions because I wanted to like get moving on this. And she's not surprising. Yeah. (laughs) Surprising. I was super impatient (laughs) and I was like, okay, when are we going to get to the good stuff? Like I want to reprogram some shit. And she kept saying to me, you know, we need to establish trust. We, we, I need to know more about you. Um, because there is, when we start doing this therapy, you have one foot in the present and one foot in the past, and you have to have trust with me. And I have to feel good about you and all this kind of stuff. And so I, it was very different. That was kind of a different mindset for me than I am used to with normal talk therapy. Right. So I'm just curious, kind of in your opinion, you know, is that a normal, a normal kind of approach to that most providers do like talk a little bit about your experience and like the people that work for you and your, you know, in your practice. 
they yeah, do that? Yeah, so I would honor that uh, the EMDR therapist that you began seeing recognized really quick that one of the things about you in your life uh, is that you are always in a fight or flight system. <laughs> Are you diagnosing me, Alice? No, not at all. (laughs) Just let's talk about feelings and energy a little bit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you are always in fight or or flight Mm -hmm. or freeze. You're in one of those three places all the time. And for an EMDR therapist, the traditional model of treatment would be to make sure that the client is stable before you go in and try to move these memories out of Mm -hmm. the hippocampus, which is where they're all stored, which keeps recreating the trauma for you in different ways, Mm. right? Okay. So the idea would be to make sure you are stable and able to handle the disruption and the movement of that work. Mm. If somebody is constantly in fight or flight, it is difficult for a therapist sometimes to understand when that person is able to handle the type of work that EMDR is. And you mentioned two things that I think are really important that I want to come back to. One is that uh, I think one of the first questions I get when I talk to people in my office, clients in my office about EMDR is, is it hypnotherapy? You mentioned hypnotherapy. Mm -hmm. It is not hypnotherapy. You are actually in control the entire time. Mm -hmm. You know when to say stop. You know where you're going and what's Mm -hmm. happening. The only thing that may feel out of control is once you get into the rhythm of what's happening in your healing process through the bilateral stimulation. And we can talk about what that is. Mm -hmm. But once you get into the healing process, you become Self as observer is how I say it. You become a witness Mm -hmm. to everything that your brain is coming up with Hmm. as you're processing. And actually is hard. It it is really difficult. Mm. It's also enchanting and wondrous. You will, after Hmm. bilateral passes, have moments where you just go, holy cow. I never knew or I never knew that those two things were connected or what have you. So it is definitely not hypnosis. Okay. You're in control and you're connected most of the time. Okay, good. We're going to talk about what it specifically, what it looks like um, and how it works and all of that. So who does it, who does it typically work the best on? Okay. So you're saying like someone like me, who's in fight or flight, and or freeze mode, it's a difficult, it's difficult to kind of get that person to initially kind of engage in this, right? Yes. Okay. Um, and, but you, but it can happen. I mean, you can work with somebody of like, course. that has that. Yeah. Of because course. a lot of people from, tra- with trauma have that anyway, right? Because that's of their course. mechanism, right? And let's talk about that a little bit in case someone's listening that they don't understand what that means, the fight or flight or freeze. So you have had guests on that have talked about big T trauma, little T trauma. Yes. And um, Dr. Laura, like Dr. Laura did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think Lauren, Dr. Lauren. Yes. I think Dr. Lauren recommend or talked about that. So big T trauma, 
Um, just to repeat it quickly, big T trauma would be these gigantic events in your life. Mm -hmm. Uh, and we can talk about, we can come back to one if you want to later in my life that I did some EMDR around, which a big T trauma in my life is I had a giant 250 foot fir tree fall, um, through my house and trap me in my bed at nine years old for four and a half hours. I did. Did you not know this? I never knew this story. How have we known each other so long (laughs) and you don't know this about me? I don't know. You stored that away. You didn't tell me. Wow. You were trapped in bed? It's because I processed it in EMDR. It just was not. And you were able to get rid of it. Yeah. You were able to refile it. Okay. So that's a, that's a big T. That's a big T trauma. Sexual abuse would be a big T. Yes. Physical abuse. What else? That is a single incident. So the tree accident would be like a single incident, big T trauma. Okay. Another type of big T, big T trauma would be sexual abuse that is chronic and long-term, mm-hmm. physical abuse that is chronic and long-term and long-lasting, verbal abuse that is chronic mm-hmm. and long-term. That is a big T trauma. Okay. Little T traumas are, boy, I just got bullied at the playground today and that didn't feel really good. It got everything activated. My fight, flight, or freeze was engaged. Mm-hmm. And it's affected me, but it isn't something that yeah. quantifies as a big T trauma. Right. Right. And it's almost like the the whole fight or flight thing, it, the way that I best understand it is, um, which is why my life has changed by doing meditation and yoga, because I don't have those up and down zings of fight or flight as much anymore. Right. But it's the... It's that feeling of like you're in a panic mode because you're in danger. You're running, a bear's running after you, right? It's right. like the best way to explain it. And then even after, you know, while you're trying to like survive from the from the bear chasing you, everything's lit up, everything's activated, and your your body is trying to like run as fast as it can and do as much as it can. And so then after that, once the bear is gone, your body is now trying to recover, but you're still wound up over it, right? Did I describe it right? Yes. I did good. You okay. did great. You did so great. That is, that is kind of that whole m- mindset of like, when something is little or big, you automatically can go into that, that fight or flight. Yes. Got and it. for those people that have, have had little T traumas and big T traumas, it is difficult and more difficult based on the level of trauma and how many years you've had that trauma for them to transition in and out of that fight, flight, or freeze. Mm -hmm. So if you've had a lot of trauma in your life, Mm -hmm. you live there. You Mm -hmm. live, and I call it survival mode. You live in survival mode where Mm -hmm. you are constantly navigating your world based on fight, flight, or freeze and what is safe or not safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As you- Yeah. So as you think about your original question was, who is EMDR good for? There's a really wide range of, um, I just think everybody should do it. Everybody should try it, right? There's a really wide range of people that would benefit from EMDR. Back to my tree experience, one of the things that came from that, and I did not do EMDR, um, for that specific big T trauma, I didn't do EMDR until my late 30s or early mm, 40s. Mm, okay. So one of the effects I had from that tree fall was claustrophobia. Oh, yeah. Makes sense, right? Totally. So I was claustrophobic. 
Yeah. And I remember growing up, my brother, who is two years older than me, would, you know, we'd get into scuffles or whatever, <laughs> and we'd play around. Sorry, Heath, I love you. <laughs> And he would um, put a blanket over my head or he mm. would, you know, he would do the tickle torture where he <laughs> would put his knees on my elbows and nail oh, me down to the ground. Right. And just worst. tickle, 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 tickle. Right. Well, it actually was triggering to me. That yeah, was something that was, I was claustrophobic. So I was like, Wah! and I was doing everything I could to get him off of me. And it wasn't until... Uh, late 30s, early 40s, that I actually used EMDR to process that. Okay, so let's explain that. So you you use EMDR to process that particular memory. Does that memory or that feeling go away? Or is it the, the um, I mean, I pretty much know the answer to this, but I want to ask so people, because I know people are wondering, or is it something that's like, you know, it's there, but I don't think about it the way I used to think about it. I'm not as triggered. I'm not as upset about it as I used to be. Yeah, it's a great is that, question. Is that right? Yep, okay. it's a great question. So the the easiest way I can explain what happens is that the uh, process of EMDR disintegrates okay. your feelings and your physiological body responses from the memory. Okay. So I tell clients... Yeah. As they are getting ready to, as they are getting ready to embark on the journey of the actual process mm -hmm. of doing the bilateral stimulation and the EMDR process, which there is a lot of preparation that comes before that. But yep. as they embark on that journey, I tell them, remember yourself as observer, you have one foot in the present and one foot in the past. You will not experience what you did in the past to the level and intensity that you did then because mm -hmm. you still have everything that has brought you to this moment. Yeah. You've got both going, right? Okay. And when they're in that moment, the next thing I say to them is you are able to observe what you had back then mm -hmm. and what you're feeling now. Mm -hmm. And we will walk through the journey together so that on the other side of it, the memory will be just like you're on a train mm. and you see that experience or that memory mm. or that visualization yeah. going by on the train, but you're not a part of it any longer. Oh, so your feelings, so the physiological experience you're having, the, the stress, taste, the smells, all of that, everything okay. begins mm -hmm. to be disintegrated from the memory. Okay. So let me ask you this, because speaking from my own personal trauma, and then of course my son's trauma, which is, is similar, but different there, there are uh, the, the things that I remember are very clear, right? They never change. The story never changes. Yep. The memory never changes. Yes. I can remember every inch of everything uh, that was happening in that moment of the trauma, right? And, but I've become, because it's been so many years, it's almost like I've become desensitized to it. It's almost as if I'm telling the story of someone else. I'm not, yes. I've disassociated me, yes. right? But um, it, when I used to be able to, to talk about it, when I first spoke about it, I was very emotional. I cry about it a lot. And then something changed and then I don't do that anymore, right? But I still can remember every part of it. Does EMDR 
dull that piece of it? Does it take away or, or refile as you call it, that memory of like the vivid, you know, like, like I have a specific vivid memory. Okay. Mm -hmm. With my father Mm -hmm. that I don't want to continue to remember. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't come up all the time, but Mm -hmm. sometimes it comes up Mm -hmm. and I can remember everything that happened. And I want to be able to not uh, remember that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'd like to just get rid of that. Remember? I'd like for you to get rid of that. Can we get rid of that? We can do that. <laughs> we can do that. So that is, that is really what EMDR is about. So let's talk about this. The yeah. most important thing I heard you say is that time mm-hmm. is a healer mm-hmm. and we cannot forget the power of time to yeah. heal the soul. Yeah. So you have done on your own. Yeah which I want to acknowledge that the body has a beautiful, natural way of healing ourselves. And we cannot fight against that. We go with it. We roll with it and we go with that. And the more we fight against it, the harder everything else seems. Yeah, true. So our body has the power Mm -hmm. to heal itself. EMDR just helps that brain heal itself. That's all it does. Hmm. So you just mentioned that you came through all of these years of your life and you went from not talking about it at all, Mm -hmm. holding it in and seeing the ramifications in your life because you have all that, that you're holding on the inside. Maybe that's choices in relationships. Maybe that's choices in taking job promotions or not. Maybe that's choices Mm -hmm. in self-confidence. Maybe that's choices in valuing beauty or not Mm -hmm. lots of different ways that holding that kind of trauma inside and not talking about it can manifest itself into your world yeah then you got to a place where you started talking about it yeah but when you started talking about it it was like so much emotion (laughs) I'm not even communicating what I really can because I have so much emotion yeah so traumatic thing because it was so traumatic Mm -hmm. That in itself is healing. That's talk therapy. Yeah. You processing that and reprocessing that with your words and talking about it and getting it out. And that's why so many people become advocates. People that have been Mm -hmm. raped become rape advocates, right? Because that does help and it does serve a purpose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now at the ripe age of 21, right, Doug? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, if I could only be 21 again. No, I don't want to be 21 again. That was no. not a good, that was not a good age. Much the, more fun. Right. Yeah, true. At the, uh, at the age that you are, you have still the memory. Mm-hmm. And what you long for now is to get rid of that memory. To get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some people have described the process of EMDR as if the memory was, and I know this is audio, everybody, but I have my hand right up to my cheek and the side of my face. If the memory felt this close, like mm-hmm. it's almost touching the right side of your face, your mm-hmm. temple, your eye, your cheekbone, your chin. If it's that close, the process of EMDR takes that memory and pulls it away from you, three feet, six feet, mm-hmm. 10 feet, 12 feet to where And I often ask people, can you see the original vision that we talked about? Can you see the original image? And they often say, I can't see it. It's really fuzzy. And that means that we have pulled 
the memory, like off into there, they describe it as uh, it's like the memory has been pulled off into their peripheral vision far enough that it's just way out here and really fuzzy over here. Wow. Okay. I'm so glad I asked that question because it, it just, I, I think that people don't understand the intensity and the, and the, the power behind EMDR. A lot of people think it's just some, you know, new crazy hokey, hokey thing. Right. Right. So let's talk a little bit about, I mean, that's such a great description. And on, on a side note, we're going to need to, um, we're going to need to do some of that for me. I mean, okay. I'd like to get rid of that story. We're going to figure that one out. I'd like to get sister. rid of that visualization and that story that I have over and over again that goes in my head when I think about it. And I also want to address before we move on that what's what can be really frustrating for someone who has significant trauma in their life is when people say to them, oh my God, really? Are you still talking about that? Can't you just move forward? Can't you just move on? Why do you still bring that up? Why do you still think about it? It happened so long ago. Can't you just let that go? And I have I have had that said to me. And I have to say that that feels almost like you're victimized again. Like almost as if I want to just relive it. Does that make sense? Right. Yes. Yeah. And if you said that to any effective trained EMDR therapist, they would put their two hands up in front of your eyes and go, really? Let's process that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's deal with that. You don't have to hold that sister, right? Yeah. So there's, there is a lack of understanding and I would like to uh, pay respects to the people that actually, there are a lot of people that think they don't have any trauma. And the truth is oh, yeah. 90% of the people who find themselves in need of counseling at any point in their lives, 90% of them have had trauma and they don't understand that it's trauma. Yeah. That was one of the statistics that we were talking about. And what's the 70% that we talked about? Um, 70% of adults in the United States have experienced a significant trauma. So there's a lot of our population that believe I'm fine. I had a great childhood. Everything Mm. was fine. Yeah. Everything was fine. And when they don't understand what trauma is and what that looks like and that these stressful, painful, duplicitous input, meaning vision, feeling, mm-hmm. body sensation, heart rate, mm-hmm. sweating, the duplicitous input moments affect them. Mm-hmm. When they don't realize that those things affect them, they are going to respond to you with come on, can't you just get past that? Yeah. And my EMDR response to you would be, well, of course you can't get past that because it's stuck, right? And your body has that memory so intensely held because you are going to try to protect yourself from ever having that experience again. So you hold all of that as a, as a protection, as a reminder, shield, right? Mm-hmm. If I feel this again, mm. I know what to do the next time. And that's hypervigilance. Yeah. My God, it's so amazing. Oh, I'm exhausted. Are you tired? No. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I just love, I love, first of all, I love the way you talk about it because you just have so much passion and you explain it so well you're not talking in like therapist lingo that is not making sense. So I know that. Oh, thank God. That's not what my husband says. Oh, (laughs) I believe that. (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I just know that people that are listening right now are like, wow, I need to go see Allison. Unfortunately, Allison is probably pretty booked up, uh, I would imagine, because that's part of our problem in this country is access to to care. Access like to mental you. health care is, uh, is it's amazing. It's a problem. Difficult. It's a it huge problem. Huge problem. So more people, how do we fix that? Can we just segue? Oh, oh boy, man. is that a whole other story? Uh, Can we just get more people into, you know, people that want to do this? Like I, like I've talked to Cole about this and he has said to me like, you know, mom, maybe someday once I'm on the other side of this, you know, my addiction and my, and my mental health stuff, like maybe I can help people. Like, Amazing. Yes. You know, Cole is how many months sober today? So let's see. He got out the first week of July. So October, November. Yeah. Four months, almost five months. So uh, five months sober mm-hmm. might be a good time for him. If he's interested in that to start reading a book by Henry Nowen called the wounded healer. Oh. And um, okay. I believe that some of the best treatment providers are the ones that understand suffering the most. And Cole yeah. is absolutely one of those people. Yeah. So I would I would encourage that. He's got to pour all of that energy he did into his addiction somewhere. So we let's get him going on that if that's an important Ooh. an important avenue. I'm gonna him, I'm gonna write sure. that down. You're gonna tell me about that. Okay. So okay, so let's talk, let's segue into everybody. So everyone that that's been listening understands now how EMDR came about. It's scientifically evidence-based. We talked about what it is, who it helps how it works, we can maybe dig into that a little bit. Do you want to talk about what, because you were, t- we were talking about this earlier, how you kind of take someone into one realm and then, yeah, kind of talk through Into a it. channel. You could even, it's say. a channel. Okay. Yeah. And maybe you can talk about a, like a particular, without a name, Fantastic. a particular patient that you've worked with that obviously you've talked to that gave you consent to talk about it. Yeah. Um, Great. You want to share a story? Yes. Okay. Let's I will it. share a story. I want to go back and answer because I don't know that we have uh, officially and really clearly answered at this point. I did say EMDR, everyone should do it, but I don't know that I specifically said people who have big T and little T trauma, of course. But if you have other distressing life experiences, um, PTSD yeah, or one. anxiety mm. or depression, or any kind of the panic disorders, oh, including really? performance anxiety, um, you might actually seek out an EMDR therapist to help you dive down to what it is that is making those kind of symptoms bubble up to the surface. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that you could, that EMDR would help even on like a depression anxiety level. Yes. There is something that is, there's something that's pushing the depression to the surface. Yeah. There's something that's making the body respond uh, with a flat affect mm-hmm. or with mm-hmm. a flat notion to the rest of the world when the body should be responding without a flat affect. Right. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. Okay. So there's reason for that. And we need to find out what that is. And EMDR can help process those things, which could lift the mood. Yeah. I mean, Cole definitely and I both have PTSD. Cole has complex PTSD that he was diagnosed with that. And his therapist is working with him on EMDR right now. But again, we were talking about this. It's hard because you, it's telehealth, right? She isn't able to see him in person to do the actual EMDR work 
which has got to be struggling. It's a struggle right now, right? Yeah. During COVID, unfortunately, it is difficult uh, for it, it's it took some quick adaptation for all of the EMDR therapists in my office to continue to be effective in virtual means with um, doing EMDR and doing the bilateral stimulation. There are some virtual websites where hmm. if you use a light bar, for example, you could log into the virtual website that is an EMDR specific website and they will, they will have a light bar that bounces back and forth so the client can watch the light bar. Hmm. I'm not sure of its effectiveness. I've tried it. it. It didn't go super well. I have other people in my office that have tried it and have since let it go. My thoughts are on that. It, I think it works great for some providers. My thoughts are on that. You're limited to the size of the screen of who's looking at it, of the patient. Oh, gotcha. So if they're okay. on a phone, they are not moving their eyes as far as they need to be moving them to actually get the processing to happen. Mm. So then what happens in virtual uh, atmospheres when you're trying to do EMDR is you end up doing bilateral stimulation in a different way. There's something in therapy, and this is going to be the cheesiest part of our entire podcast, all right? <laughs> Let's hear it. How does that make you feel? Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah. That's the other cheesy part in therapy, right? Uh, really? How does that, that make you I've feel? I've heard that a million, a million times. Uh, yeah. Ugh, right? I don't know. Damn therapists. I know. Uh, it's the butterfly hug, right? Oh. So you you cross your left hand over your right hand mm -hmm. and you actually rest your hand. You cross your arms over in front yeah. of your chest and you actually rest your hands just below your shoulders. And this is an effective means of bilateral stimulation. So oh. as you do EMDR virtually, one of the things you can do, this is one example, is you can say, okay, as you think about where you are, the bilateral stimulation is going to be now follow my tapping. And they would be watching you and they would be tapping right, left, right, oh, left, okay. right, equal tapping. intensity on each side, equal frequency. Okay. Okay. And they can do this to help with the bilateral and stimulation. That helps. Okay. And that helps. You could also do it on your legs where you can count on your legs. Okay. So the the bilateral with the eye movement is kind of like when you've been pulled over for a DUI. Not that I ever have been. <laughs> no. It's never happened. No. But if I'm just saying, if you had been, I've seen this on TV. They take the light and they shine it back and forth. Is it similar? Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> okay. It's not dark in the therapy room, for one. I typically think There's it's no drinking. dark unless you're day drinking, which isn't there a country song about <laughs> day drinking somewhere? <laughs> I don't know, but is that, is it the same thing with the light? It's like a laser, right? So there's lots of different ways to get your eyes to move back and forth. Um, and I would say one of the sides is for people who have epilepsy, it is a high caution and, and providers I, should yes. reach out to the, the uh, patient's neurologist to consult whether or not light therapy would actually stimulate a seizure or not. Those okay. are things. And people with TBIs, you should take some extra precautions with as well. What's TBIs? Um, traumatic brain injury. Okay. Got so um, you do want to be mindful of those kind of things as a practitioner. And as a patient, you want to be mindful that that might be triggering if you have epilepsy. Mm. But there are other ways other than light to just like stimulate. the tapping we're talking about. Okay, got it. And there's other things uh, called TASPERS 
where they actually are little yes. um, pods that sit in either right. one of your hands and they go. Zzz, zzz, I've heard zzz, about those. So that's what my um, EMDR gal uses. Okay. Yeah. Does she use a light bar with it too? I don't know. Cause we didn't get that far, but she's, okay. but she's doing, she uses those in her, in the little hands. Yeah. In the hand. Yeah. Hand, right. That you hold. Yeah. And they zap yep. on each side. And yeah. they zap on yeah. either side. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So uh, there's lots of different tools to augment EMDR to make it uh, to make it helpful. Okay. In my office, I do not have a police light that makes people follow it back and forth. Yeah. I, do, I don't have that, although that might be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I was thinking it was. I was like, is it a light where they go back and forth? Yeah. Okay. So, so what I do have though, yeah. is I have what's called a light bar. Oh, okay. Um, and for me, what EMDR looks like in my office is, you know, if you've ever been in Times Square, mm-hmm which I saw a picture this morning of the Brooklyn Bridge with New York under their highest lockdown for COVID right oh, now, yeah. 8, 10 this morning, and not a soul was on Is the Brooklyn that right? Bridge. Is oh, that crazy? God. Our no. times right now. Uh, if you were ever standing in Times Square and you were looking at the NASDAQ ticker, yes, it just goes around, around yeah. and around and around. Yeah. Well, it's a lot like that, oh. except it is a, and you have your choice of colors. So it's a green light, for example, that would go and hit the right side of the bar and bounce back to the left side of the bar and oh. hit the right side of the okay. bar and bounce back to the left side of the bar. Okay. Oddly enough, when you're doing your bilateral um, passes in EMDR therapy, when you start to process a trauma, you actually stop sometimes moving your eyes from side to side. So you will hear a therapist cue, push those, push that light with your eyes back and forth, push that light with your eyes back and forth, like get back to that light because the work is not done in the talking. The work is done in moving the eyes. And if you cease to move, yeah, if you cease to move the eyes from back and forth, you're not processing, you're stuck. And wow. we are actually trying to make you unstuck. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad we talked about that and we segued. Okay. Tell okay. me a story. Okay. Tell me a story of, yeah, of someone that you've worked with where you've seen some pretty profound. Um, Let's see. I'm going to give you an option. Do you okay. want the uh, 40-year-old woman that is processing childhood sexual abuse? Oh, boy. That's a tough or one. do you want the 30-year-old woman that uh, her primary means of um, sanity, I guess we'll say, is working out and how that's ripped from her and how that has affected her with different injuries Mm. or do you You got some good ones or do you want um the 17 or 18 year old kid that was uh brought to me by county officials to process all of the gang related violence he's been involved in oh gosh I don't know they're all so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, you pick because I I don't know. I mean, we talk a lot on this show about the big traumas, the sexual abuse mm-hmm. traumas. So we, you know, people might want to break from that, but um, but I still think it's important to talk about. But what do you? Where do you see? Like in in any of those stories, which one was the one where you like saw 
like pretty quick, immediate results and um, where people could kind of relate to the, the, the listeners could relate to that right now. So I think I'm going to start based on that information. I think I'm going to start with the 40 year old woman. Okay. Uh, we'll start there and I might splice in the um, gang member. Yeah. At different moments. Okay. Now, before you start, how many sessions does it usually take to begin before, before you actually begin EMDR and how many sessions can it take before you are like, wow, that memory is now over here and I don't have it anymore. You like are that. good at what you do, John yeah, Whitney. I know, right? I, I'm yeah. asking selfishly. So good. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> so there, there are, uh, there are three really big benefits that are different from talk therapy with EMDR. Okay, okay good. First one is EMDR is less about talking. It's more about focusing on changing the emotions, the thoughts, and the behaviors mm. in the brain to resume the brain's natural healing process. Okay. So. I like that. Less talking. Less talking. Uh the therapist also doesn't have to know every single thing. And I'll get to that in a minute. Oh, interesting. Okay. So number two, it takes less time than traditional talk therapy, which answers that question yeah. for you. There are some times that you can have somebody with complex trauma mm-hmm. um, and they will um, sit through a one long session, 90 minutes, two hours, or a couple long sessions and they're done. Hmm. They're out. So you would have the, you would have the gathering of all the information, the gathering of the history. So mm-hmm. that the therapist knows what direction they're going and what channels they need to work through and what other things might come up. Right. There is, right. there are a few sessions that are about gathering information. Then you have the sessions that are the bilateral passes or the bilateral stimulation. And there are, there are some, clients. I'm recalling one specifically that had significant childhood trauma was gang raped by an adopted brother in her house. And we met and met and met and met and met to do all the Mm pre-work. And when we finally spent three hours doing Mm. the bilateral pass in one session, we spent three hours doing that, which she paid for out of pocket because insurance wouldn't cover more than one hour. Uh, side subject um we uh we covered it and she never needed my services again never needed them again wow and you must have been exhausted after doing that it is exhausting for the patient and it is also exhausting for the therapist yeah Yeah. the the therapist actually um you know i actually feel energized by it because i can witness and just bear witness to the incredible movement that is happening in those sessions that it's invigorating it's hard to sit with people and and just feel their pain and experience their pain in that room yeah. is very invigorating to see that we're actually making a difference. Making a difference, moving it out. That's what I love about this modality over some of the others. They're all good, but all of the years of talk therapy and all the different therapists that I had to go through and I have to tell the story all over again and blah, blah, blah. I just like that just felt like it was never ending. 
Right. It just felt like, oh, I'm never going to get through this. And not until I started doing EFT, the, um, yes, the, the tapping, not until I did that, did I start, which is just kind of like the beginning. It's like baby steps to EMDR, but I didn't realize that I could actually move shit out. Like I had a, a headache the other day out of the blue that just came out of the blue and I started tapping and I got right on the top and I was tapping on the top of my head and it was super sore, like right there, you know, where you're tapping. And I kept tapping and I was talking to myself. I was doing all my stuff and it literally went away like in five minutes. And I was like, so great, so fast. Yeah. And that's what Amy Stark talks about on the show when yeah. she's on my podcast. She's like, that's what the beauty of EFT is that it can be, it can can help people and treat people so much quicker right. than any other modality. And so EMDR sounds like it's super similar. It's very similar. Yeah. And you've done, uh, you've done acupuncture too. Chinese yep, medicine, acupuncture, right? yep. So have you ever, have you ever gone to an acupuncturist when they, when you had a migraine to have them help you with a migraine? No, I, I haven't. So based on Shit. your entire body symptomology, they would put needles in certain places based on what they know your about your entire too. body. Yeah. But the top of the head to release the energy is likely a place that they would probably put something. So there's these are all interconnected. These are yeah. all interconnected as to how we are trying to heal the body. And some of these are ancient old and like EMDR is ancient new. Right? Yeah, it's ancient like new. It's, it's just new. Okay, so give me a good story. Okay. So let's talk about this um, wonderful, beautiful woman who uh, came into my office actually in need of support for her daughter. And um, I had worked with her daughter and helped her daughter so much that she said, can I have my own session? I need to, mm. can I have my own time? And I said, sure, come in. What, you know, what do you have going on? She goes, well, I have MS. I do have the slow growing one. So I will be okay for a long time, but it's a degenerative autoimmune disease. And uh, I have some childhood stuff that I think I need to really um, work on and process. Mm. And we all have the childhood shit. We all have the childhood shit. Yeah. I don't understand. Somebody said to me the other day, they said, um, I don't want to fuck up my kids. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. <laughs> and I, my response, my response was, you're going to fuck up your kids. You just are. <laughs> on a side note, before, I know we keep doing side notes, but on a side note, what I love about this conversation is for those of you listening, um, Allison is a, a side, she's, her side gig should be a stand-up comic because she is very funny. Um, and you were telling me that you do kind of do some humorous things in therapy, right? Do you, you think oh humor in therapy is really important? Yeah, we're never going to get to talk about this 40-year-old woman if you want to talk okay. about my humor, but your humor therapy. But we will, we'll go back to, we'll, we'll go back to the humor, we'll but, but you do, but you do like to like, I mean, I know you like to do interpretive dance. I've seen you do that, but that's a side note. Yeah, interpretive Again. dance is one of my favorites. I mean, you put on some good 80s tunes or 90s tunes, or you even get some good old SNL Eddie Murphy oh, skits boy. going, and I am going to do my own sideshow. <laughs> so do you do some sure. of this in your ther in your therapy sessions? Well, yes. Okay. So I I'm going to opt to not go to the 40-year-old okay. woman, and I'm going to tell the story because I okay. think our audience really wants to yes, hear the humor hear story. Humor is a huge hugely important part of therapy in my opinion 
I agree. And we have to remember as we are engaging in the shittiest of the shit, we're going to have an E at the end of this podcast. Yeah, there's, an e. there's an e all over this thing. Yeah. Um, it's all, it's all explicit. You know, we are talking about the worst of the worst. Yeah. And at some point we have to remember that that isn't our entire life. It's mm-hmm. one cog in the wheel of our entire life's meaning and value. Yeah. So to bring levity to that, uh, in a joyful direction, we got to add some humor, Mm -hmm. right? So here's one of the ways, and I do have to size up the age of my clients. So those of you that are at least my age, uh, will appreciate this one. Hopefully you remember Ice Ice Baby because what happens- You do your running man, don't you? I just know it. I know I do have it. done the running man I in the office. I, I totally do. have done the running you man. You have a good running man. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I can do a 360 with the oh running man. Um, <laughs> I have done the running man actually with my adolescent clients who come in and they have said, I did it. I was in the moment. And I needed to do this differently and I did it differently and I stood up for myself and guess what happened? It was a great outcome. And I'm like, girl, I knew it. And I get up and I just start doing the running in the (laughs) office and they look at me like I'm old. What are you doing? You're kind of cool, but you're really a nerd, right? (laughs) And they laugh and we move on. And the next time, the best part about what that does to the brain. Yeah is the next time they are in that same situation, Mm -hmm. they now not only hear me, they see me doing the running. Oh my God. It's amazing. It is a sight to behold. Oh boy, (laughs) Nellie. Next time we'll make this a video I have seen it a a few times. It's hilarious. I can't do the running man, by the way, on a side note. I need need to know how. Oh my God, I'm going to teach you. We'll start in the pool. Something's wrong with my feet. I can't. Yeah, can we start in the pool? I don't know why I can't do. I mean, I you're such a great dancer. I grew up as a dancer, and I can't do the Running Man. That's a problem. That is crazy. <laughs> so, right. okay, back to your forty year old woman. I have. Oh, oh no, my oh, other okay. humor oh, one, okay. right? My eye size baby one, okay. right? So we have client in the session. I've been seeing her for months. She's telling me again. She's dating and picking out the wrong guy again (laughs) and she's done it so many times that she's looking at me rolling her eyes saying I know I know I knew what you were going to tell me when I walked in here right and she's going down the same rabbit hole that she always has she's not changing even after months of maybe this would be something to think about when you're engaging with dating. Maybe this would be something to think about. You've given her some tools, some guidelines. Yeah. Totally have given her tools and guidelines and she keeps picking out the wrong guys, Mm. right? The antennas are off. And I look at her and she's down so far down the same rabbit hole that all of a sudden the only intervention I can think of is stop. Oh, (laughs) it's that loud in therapy. And there, she looks at me and she's got these big forlorn eyes and oh God, she's you just like the crap out of me yeah she's like what and I go collaborate and listen ice is back with the brand new edition <laughs> you just busted out the yes. whole song yes what did she do and it started with a really loud clap to stop the rabbit hole train that her brain was on that she's been on 
for how many years of her life? What did she do? Did she, she, she bust start dancing? out laughing? Oh, okay. She just, but like what you just did, I mean, she if you just out laughing. If you had just pushed play somewhere, if you just had a cassette, <laughs> oh my God, I'm so old. A I can't cassette. believe I just said that. If you had something, you could push a button on and play. <laughs> that would have been awesome. Oh my oh. goodness. So what happened? She just it, got redirected. The, the best part yeah, is this. It. That kind of humor, and I have to, I have to know if she knows who Ice Ice Baby is and that song mm-hmm. is, right? So I have to do a little bit of evaluating. Yeah, right. I might be aging myself out here. Yeah, might be. Thanks a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, in that moment, what happens in the brain is we are actually disrupting a neural pathway yeah. with the loud clap. Yeah, it's scary. And humor. Yeah. In the moment so of the good. rabbit hole that she has been on forever, we're just disrupting a neural pathway and everybody thinks I'm crazy. It is, it works. I can't tell you how many times people come back and they go, oh my God, I hate you. And <laughs> I go, why do you hate me? And they're like, I now have ice ice baby playing in my head. <laughs> But I guess I'm not making the same choice. So I guess it's better. So did she get, did she move forward? Did she not date this lady? Really? It helps. It breaks up the cemented neuro pathway that she's been on for so long. I just have to get her into it long enough. This is crazy. What a great story. Yeah. Oh my God. Please tell the 40 year old story. Okay. All right. Let's go. So this is a fascinating story. I I just did not mean to dismiss it by where I was. Incredible woman, uh, very successful, uh, has children, came into my office, said, I need need some support. I think I've had some abuse in my past. Uh, My behaviors post, you know, my behaviors in high school, my behaviors post, you know, uh, post kid in in childhood, Uh, it would indicate that I I do, I don't remember anything specifically, but I would like to work on this. Okay. As an EMDR therapist, I said, all right, what would you like to focus on? And she said, I'd like to focus on childhood abuse. Okay. So we did the work. We did the history. I did the history taking. Mm-hmm. I had ideas about what would happen, but because she had blocked this memory uh, for so long, mm-hmm. um, she didn't know. Yeah. Honestly, in front of me in my office, she didn't know what she was needing to heal. But she knew there was something. She knew there was something. Yeah. And you did some pre-work, like how much pre-work? So... Boy, I could go back and count notes, but uh, aside from that, we probably talked about seven sessions or eight sessions because when she, when she doesn't have a big T specific trauma, the therapist has to gather a lot of the information in order to protect that person through the EMDR yes, process. Of course. Okay. And keep that, that person sense. safe. Yeah. So I need to do enough work around this kind of generic abuse statement in order to be prepared for whatever may come. Okay. And so we got to the day that we were actually going to do the bilateral passes and, um, she was ready. Um, and she was ready to go. And as we started doing the bilateral passes, one thing that happens is I said earlier, kind of how I prep everybody, you have Mm -hmm. one foot in the past, one foot in the present self as observer, right? Mm -hmm. And then we start doing these bilateral passes. The first pass, 
after she ends the first bilateral pass of the light bar going back and forth, she said, I don't feel anything. This is very common. Yeah. Don't freak out if that yeah, happens to that you happens. when you okay. engage. Don't freak out. Okay. She did another one. Nothing. Great. Let's keep going. Yeah. Right. And, and she did a third one. And after the third one, rather than saying what's there, I said, do you have a feeling inside of you? And she said, I feel warm. Mm -hmm. And I said, let's go with that. And we process warm. Mm -hmm. After the next pass, I said, what's there? And she said, I feel heavy. And I said, where's heavy? And she said, I feel heavy on the left side of my body. Mm. And I said, let's go with that. Okay. And after the next bilateral pass, I said, what's there? And she goes, I taste salt. Mm. And I said, let's go with that. And I know where I'm going. Mm -hmm. And uh, she does not yet know. Mm. And I said, let's go with that. And uh, after the next bilateral pass, I said, what's there now? And what I could see that she didn't was on the left side of her body that felt heavy and warm. Mm -hmm. On her neck, she was wearing a V-neck sweater. And on her neck was this bright red, like it looked like it was a birthmark that wasn't there when she walked in. Oh it God. had absolutely gone from her like left shoulder and chest up her neck up to her chin. Oh my God, I'm getting chills. This is like a crazy story. It's true. This she, is, she physically was having she a had reaction a to physi it. Physiological reaction to an experience and trauma that she had when she was under eight years old. Oh. And I said, what's there? And she goes, I'm, I, I feel like I can't swallow. Mm. And I said, let's go with that. And after the next bilateral pass, she said, oh, my God. And I said, just go with it. Yeah. You've got this. You can do this. You are so strong. You've got this. I'm right here. Let's go with that. Yeah. And we just did a really long bilateral pass. Yeah. And she sobbed. And she pushed that light while she sobbed. And while she sobbed. And she came out the other side. And she said, I never knew. And I said, it's okay. Your body protected you. It's okay. And now you're here. And you're letting it go. Yeah. Wow, that is so powerful. I can't believe that it worked like that, that it was that amazing to see. It must be, I mean, that must be such an, such an unbelievable feeling to watch, to be a part of something like that, Allison, to watch the work that you do and that your team does there at your office that, that um, get people to that point where they can literally uncover that hard stuff and release it yeah she knew there was something there and she didn't she couldn't know get what rid it, of it was oh and so what her body told oh. her what it was before her brain knew yeah there is I mean that's such an emotional thing for me to hear because of what I've been through but just the beauty of I mean the positive 
side of what you just said. And the beauty of that is that you helped her uncover it and then release it basically. Right. Right. Yes. And so now that it's been uncovered and it's been, but it's been released. I mean, you continued to work with her through that to get rid of it. Yes. Okay. Cause you have to do so, more work. So what happens if we, is we've reached that moment yeah. and she has seen the what is right. She's seen the trauma. Right. She knows where it is. And I would, when you talk about EMDR, you talk about channels and you want to make sure that you work the channel all the way through to the other side. And I call it working that channel, like you go down into the dark valley or down into the rabbit hole and you sit in the valley of the darkness as long as those people need to sit. Let's go with that. Let's process that. Let's process that. Let's process that. Let's process that. And then you'll hear the language and you'll see the nonverbals begin to change. If you stay down long enough, you will begin to see even like a, uh, a lifting of the shoulders or a lifting of the spine, or you will see laughter or you will see power in laughter or in what they may say and you know you are now climbing out of the rabbit out of the hole which means the memory has been targeted hit and moved and moved so did you have to did you see her a few times after that or was that yeah yeah i was gonna say so um as she comes out the other side the language becomes I didn't deserve that. Yeah, of course. Right? And I don't know if that was her specific language at that moment, but that would be a typical out of the depths. And when you hear it come out the other side, let's process this. Let's process this. You yeah. got let's go attack that. I will yeah. say that when I know we're in the bottom of yeah. the rabbit hole. I'm like, I'm with you. I've got this. You've got yeah. this. Let's go after it. Are you ready? Here we go. Yeah. Go. And yeah. they go watch that light and push that light. And we're going in. And we do it a little longer during those yeah. moments, the bilateral stimulation. And then when they come out the other side, I do it enough for them to have three or four moments of, I didn't deserve that. Yeah. And what happens is their adult self comes back, right. right? If this is the childhood trauma, the adult self comes back and begins to talk reason and truth into what had happened that day. Yeah. And that also helps push it out the memory and push it out. God, that's amazing. Yeah, it's an amazing tool. Okay, tell us quickly, be, the before we start to wrap up, tell us about the 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 guy that you, the the kid. 18 year old. So I wished I got to work with him further. His trauma was so complex that he ended up getting himself involved with the law and we never got to, we never got to solve it. Um, having somebody that grew up, um, being involved with gangs and being involved with multiple, um, uh, legal 
issues and um, he had a parole officer that happens to be a good friend of mine that called me and said, please help me save this kid. Just please help me save this kid. And I said, I'm in, I'll do it like whatever. And they had somebody drive him to me. He doesn't want a thing to do with me. I am part of the system to him, right? I am completely part of the system. And I had to find a way to tell the 17 year old, I can help. And here's what I can do. I can use EMDR. And let me tell you a little bit about what EMDR is. Let me share yeah. this cute little video at Andrea.org, which is the <laughs> International Association of EMDR okay. Professionals. Okay. Excuse me. And help you understand what this is. I understand that you cannot tell me how many people you've murdered being a part of a gang. I, yeah. can, I can understand and appreciate that you cannot tell me so many things that have happened in your life, yeah. but they're stuck inside of you. I can actually help you through EMDR process those events and help your body heal without you having to actually tell me what's going on. We just have to be aligned enough that I know that we've hit something and you can give me just enough information Hmm. that I then don't have to report so that I can begin to help you heal. One of the biggest problems as a mandated reporter is I am, if I hear enough information, I have to report. Sure. When the legal system gets involved again, we are down a rabbit hole of a complete other nature and this kid is lost. In those moments, I actually help them not tell me so that I can just help their mental health. Oh, man. So I hold that line with them. Yeah. And that was what made him look at me and see me not as a part of the system. Yeah. So you had a good relationship with him? He ended up uh, getting in trouble with the law again. He went back to jail. Mm -hmm. And when he did get out, he reached out to his parole officer, who is a good friend of mine. And he told the parole officer, I want you to know, here's where I am. I am out. I am okay. I'm an adult now, so I won't Mm -hmm. ever engage with you again. But please tell your friend, Allison, I'm thankful for what she could do. Oh, yeah. I love that. Shit matters, right? Sometimes we have to say the system doesn't work. Yep. And we have to just help, right? Yeah. I always forget, having known you for all these years, the, I mean, I know what you, the work that you do is, you know, important and remarkable, but I always forget until we sit and we talk about this stuff, like the, the deep crap that you deal with every day and how you do it. Yeah. Um, and, and it does matter and it is important. And um, I just wish more therapists were doing, um, were, do, were trained in EMDR. I really do. Yeah. You know, I mean, what is the process to get trained? Is it a big deal? It's expensive. Yeah. Um, it is a, it's a, it's an investment and yeah. it is a level of training. I do have one therapist in my office that is certified. I am not certified in EMDR. She is certified and amazing at her trade. Yeah. Kat, I'm shouting out to you. <laughs> um, and Uh, She's actually training to be a supervisor to help train uh, other EMDR therapists. She is amazing at her trade. Uh, The process is long. You have to go through your training. It's two different 
four day trainings, okay. uh, six months apart usually. And then uh, probably the equivalent of, I don't even remember, is it 30 hours of supervision? Yeah. Um, and then a live supervision in order to be uh, certified in the yeah. process. And I started all of it. I just didn't finish. Yeah. But you, but, but you sound like you're pretty phenomenal and don't need to to do the certification right now. I don't get paid anymore to pay for a certification. So yeah. if we could work on changing that system, it might be more valuable yeah. for me to actually pay and go through the process to get certified. Well, let's talk about the next thing that that is on your horizon as we kind of wrap this up because we could just talk forever. But um, you were really excited about one of a couple of my guests that have been on, but you're really, really excited about Dr. Rowe. I love Dr. Rowe. I love me some Dr. Rowe. Give her a shout out because you are investing and invested and you've done already done some training on the neurofeedback biofeedback step, yes. which I think complements the EMDR training so much, right? Yes. And, um, I need to get the two of you connected for sure. Yes. But you are, that is something you want to do, right? In your office? Absolutely. Yeah. So as much as EMDR is an amazing tool, there are places mm-hmm. uh, with different comorbidities or different diagnoses in people. Uh, take OCD, for example, okay. where uh, EMDR doesn't work. So EMDR... Yeah. Uh, is using eyes or sensations, right, or body right. sensations um, to create bilateral stimulation. When a person with OCD is sitting in your office, they may be moving their big toe and their second toe back and forth in their shoe. And it's interrupting the actual effectiveness of bilateral stimulation. And you may not know it and you may not know it. And you're like, why is this not working? Why is this not working? And you actually trickle back into the data banks and you go, what's the diagnosis? OCD, possible diagnosis, severe anxiety. And then you start scanning for what they're, where they are moving something because they're so OCD and so anxious, they're actually doing things. So then you actually stop in the middle of EMDR and you go, hey, are you counting? And I look shocked at you. Yeah. Yes. What are you counting? Well, my big toe and my second toe are moving back and forth. And I go, how many times in that last bilateral pass have you moved your big toe and second toe back and forth with one another? 162. (laughs) are you shitting me? Like, I'm just like, are you shitting me right now? But it's true because that is a coping style formed out of anxiety that these people have learned to get along in the world with. The OCD stuff, yeah. That is a layer of interference with EMDR that doesn't work. Oh, interesting. When, When I have a client that I cannot get through with, with EMDR at that point in that example, I may use the taspers that you were talking about, the vibrators in the hands. I may ask her to do the butterfly that I was talking about earlier, the pats on the legs, along with watching the light bar. Or at that point, what I really want to do is move into neurofeedback and put put electrodes on her brain. Put a little cap on. And figure out where the idiosyncrasies and where the energy is messed up in her brain and train her brain to fix it. 
Now that seems daunting to people, right? You're going to mess with my brain. This is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. What is going on, right? (laughs) It's absolutely not. And what I love about Dr. Rose podcast with you is she really normalizes what that process looks like. And the coolest thing about it and the best way I can explain this, and I will stop after this, I promise, (laughs) is I wasn't short on words. She was right. Um, But the the best thing that I can, uh, the simplest way I can explain this is if your back goes out, Mm -hmm. uh, you go see a physical therapist. And the physical therapist does big massage on you, going to massage the big muscles, do everything that needs to be massaged. And then they're going to show you some exercises and whatnot. And they wrap it up with heat and Mm -hmm. oftentimes a TENS unit or electrodes on your muscle. And all they're doing is sending energy to the muscle through electrodes to say, this is how you expand and this is how you contract. This is how you expand and this is how you contract. Yeah. That's all that neurofeedback is for the big brain muscle. That's it. Oh, that's a really great way. See, I love the way you explain this shit. Good. (laughs) Okay, let's do this because I am telling you, I could just sit here all afternoon with you, but you do have two boys at home. Oh, I should say three because of John Paul that you need to take care of. Yeah, it's true. It's true. So, um, Let's talk about, or let's just kind of wrap up with how, how do people get a hold of you and what is the best way to, you know, I mean, are you taking, are you taking appointments right now? Like what's happening? So I have been, as far as neurofeedback is concerned, I will be the only person in my office at Pacific Northwest Behavioral Health doing neurofeedback because of COVID and the transition of me being an apprentice, moving into actually doing this and uh, beginning this process, I will be doing neurofeedback likely June of, of 21. Yeah. So I want if, Cole to be your first, uh, patient, please. Well, then we might start earlier. Okay. Okay. That would be uh, great. so yeah, for the audience out there, officially June of 2021, okay. I have already a caseload of people. Cole can be one of them that yeah. have, are on my waiting list to get started earlier. Okay. So, uh, that's part one for neurofeedback. Um, and then, For EMDR, I have amazing therapists in my office uh, that can and will be able to help you. You're, Um, you're, you're booked. It sounds like I am booked. You're very, you're very popular. I am booked. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm going to let, what's the website? PNWBH.com. PNWBH.com. Okay. You can also email me. I'm happy to get emails at my email address, which is Allison with one L A L I S O N at P N W B H dot com. Is there a thing? That's it. Yes, there is. I think we're gonna um I'll make sure that we have all of that in the podcast notes too. I mean, this has just been unbelievable. Of course, I've cried through part of this, um, but that's not a surprise. <laughs> I thought I would cry too. I mean, you cried a little, but I'm the crier. Actually, you are kind of a crier. I'm a sappy crier. Um, but, you know, I mean, this is just amazing. And so I'm so proud of you. You are just so gifted at all of this. You always you. have been the person that we go to for advice in the girl circle. Um, and you always have good advice. I mean, I remember back in the day when we were really going through some tough stuff with Cole and you were the brunt of some of that. 
with him. And, you know, you were just such a loving, gentle friend where you could have been super judgmental and been like, wow, what's going on? But because you understood what was happening with him and the mental health component of what was going on um, as the foundation of the issues versus the addiction being the main thing, you know, you were able to kind of, you extended a lot of information, you know, through, um, you know, text and voice and email and everything that really helped us kind of understand where we needed to, to kind of, you know, focus. Cause we, you've been through, you've been a part of this journey with us for a really long time. Yeah. And, um, and that's why it's so personal to like have you here because you've been a part of our story on the sidelines and you've never been, um, a judgmental friend, a friend who has ever said, and I don't know that you would have been anyway, even had you not had the training that you have, because I just don't think that's who you are. I don't think that's your energy or your spirit, but you haven't, you never said like, well, you need to do this. And why haven't you tried this and whatever, you know, you've said things to me at times where it's like, oh, wow, that's really important. I need to like, listen to that. Like I need to not enable I maybe I'm enabling a little bit too much. Maybe I'm trying to control too much. You know, you've said things, but you always say them in such a loving way. I just have been really, I don't know if I've ever told you that. I just feel really appreciative of that. And everyone should have an Allison. Oh, that's so sweet. But nobody does because she's my friend. Oh, you're and she's booked. You can't see her. <laughs> I will say that Cole is, you can't, you cannot do the work of helping people and really getting into those places that we've talked about today without understanding that there is light in all of the darkness. There is yes. so much light in all of the darkness and there is light in Cole. And I want you to know that out in the world, when there are conversations about Cole and how he's doing and what's going on out in the world. If it's brought up all of the things he struggles with, it does not go unstated in my realm that if you're going to talk about the struggles, you're also going to talk about the pain because that is what created the struggle. God damn it. Yeah, exactly. And that's such a vital part of who we are. That's so important that you say that. Yeah. And there's also so much wonderful um, you know, you talk about, we talk about humor in, in this podcast and there's so much, uh, to be said for that because Cole has such a good, um, sense of humor. He's very funny and there are some really wonderful things about him and I'm watching him as he's embarking on this whole world of trying to find himself again. You know, he's been lost for so many years to become, um, more independent and to actually be able to like be, you know, thinking, thinking clearly about things outside of drugs that now I'm watching this whole other personality kind of develop, Yeah, which has been really exciting to see. And I do think a big part of that is having good therapy. I mean, he's had a really good therapist, you know, my friend, Ashley at Parenting with Intent. Yes. So they've really taken good care of you. You need to get her on this podcast. Um, I do need to get her on the podcast. I talked about her at the last, on the last podcast. Yeah. On the one that just aired and um, a couple of weeks ago and their organization's phenomenal. But I do, I do think that people like you in this, in this world are, you know, you have such an uphill battle with so many things, you know, that you're trying to do and what you're trying to achieve. But but at the end of the day, if if we didn't know about these modalities, if we didn't talk about them, if we, I mean, I hope that this was helpful 
it was for me, definitely. I feel like I went through a session listening to you talk <laughs> um, without the light bar, but um, but I think- Let's it, process. <laughs> let's process, we need to process a lot of shit. <laughs> but I think people listening are probably like, wow, I didn't even realize how powerful EMDR is. Yes. And so if we didn't have people like you, Allison, in your organization doing the work that you're doing and caring about people the way you care, we, you know, this, the, the system would be even more broken than it is. So I am so grateful and you're my friend, which makes it even more exciting. Thank you. Thank you so much. And a huge shout out to my incredible team and a ton of respected colleagues working their Mm -hmm. asses off in Portland and across the nation, trying to make a difference in these incredibly hard times right now. Yeah. They're so So, yeah. Um, Thank you. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank Dawn. you for I love being you so here. much. Oh, and thanks for doing all of this. It just is so valuable for people to hear. And I hope you keep getting such really good feedback about what you're doing because it really matters. Oh, thanks, sweetheart. Well, thanks for being on the show. I love you. A special thank you to Allison for sharing the remarkable tool of EMDR. I sat on the edge of my seat through this entire podcast, listening intently to Allison's stories and the benefits of this unbelievable trauma release technique. I'm excited to share on a following podcast, my own personal experience with EMDR after doing some sessions with Allison. We will come back together to share the results. And although I'm a little scared to try this, I know it is ultimately the last step in my own personal mental health journey that needs to happen. My son is currently engaged in EMDR work with his therapist, and I hope and pray he will have a similar outcome to his trauma, as so many of Allison's clients do at her company, Pacific Northwest Behavioral Health. If you are looking for an EMDR therapist in your area, please go to emdria.org to find one that is certified and trained who can help you or someone you love. Until next time. Subscribe for the podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Apple Podcast, or visit lightfromtherabbithole.com. As my good friend Tony says, my mission is my movement, and I hope you were moved with just a little more kindness and compassion today. Until next time. As a reminder, this podcast is for informational purposes only and to bring awareness and resources to those in need. This show will have expressed opinions and it is not intended to replace the guidance of one's medical doctor.